Merry Christmas to everyone. It's great to see all your faces. Christmas is really a great day. As Pastor Tim mentioned, we'll be going through the gospel lesson, John chapter 1, uh, for, our, for this sermon text today. It, you can see it printed for you there, right on page 5, your service folders. We'll be going through kind of the first five verses, verses 1 through 5, and then also verses 9 through 14, so that'll be our focus for, for today. You've all probably noticed it by now. Maybe it happens uh, for you during a slow part of your workday or during a time when you've just been studying a lot or during your commute home or maybe when you've taken some time, a break off of some housework. You look outside at about 4.30 p.m. and you see darkness. This is the darkest time of our, our year we just had the winter solstice on December 22nd. So just three days later, on December 25th, we're still in this really dark time. And maybe for you, dealing with the fact that there's less and less natural light, maybe you're one of the people who has seasonal affective disorder and, and it's depressing. Maybe, maybe you're not like that, though, and you just get a little bit more sleepy. You need an extra cup of coffee to wake you up to get you through the rest of the day. This extra darkness can be a bad thing. But I can see, I, I can think of one great thing that this darkness brings, especially today on Christmas. Since the darkness comes so much more quickly, we get to turn our Christmas lights on that much more quickly. Turning on the Christmas lights, that was, I think, my favorite thing, one of, one of my favorite things about Christmas as a child, to see the bright lit up tree on December 25th with the bright presence underneath. It was a great thing. Because the Christmas lights shine, and we forgot about the darkness. Christmas lights shine, and they overcome the darkness. Christmas lights shine, and they put you into the spirit of Christmas. And as a Bible-believing Christian, you know exactly what that true spirit of Christmas is. The Word made flesh. The little baby, Jesus Christ, who came into this world. We just spent the last five weeks preparing our hearts and our minds and preparing our spiritual lives to welcome Christ. And now he's here. He has come. And with that mystery of Christmas comes one big question. How did this happen? How in the world could God become a little baby lying in a feeding trough. And for centuries, Christians have touched on this question. Later in the service, we're going to read a portion of this creed called the Athanasian Creed. We only read it a, a couple times during the year, but it's all about Jesus. Christians have written books and books and books on this word called Christology, the study of Christ. And whole sections of Christianity... All, Big sections of Christians have split apart because they've disagreed on who Christ is. And they've touched on the question, how did God become man? But they've never answered it. And when we try to answer that question from God's point of view, then we're in the darkness. Because we can never fully understand that. John, here in these 14 verses, writes a lot about Christ. But he never once hopes to answer that question, how did it happen? 
Instead, he focuses on something much more important. Well, why did it happen? The real question that needs to be answered. And John, through the Holy Spirit, gives us some very comforting words. He says, it happened because Jesus came into this world and shone like a bright Christmas light that overcame the darkness in two ways. As a floodlight that reaches every single nook and cranny of this world and as a spotlight that reaches each and every one of his children. You, you've opened up your Bibles and read John chapter 1 before. We read it a lot on, on Christmas Day. And you've read about light and life and the word and darkness. And you see that these 14 verses are jam-packed. They're filled with a lot of imagery, with, with scenes, with, with act one and act two. These 14 verses, they read almost like a play script. You open up your, the white pages of your Bible and John draws back the red curtains to reveal a darkened stage. And you read the first verse, John 1. And John's voice crackles through the loudspeaker as you, you sink into your seat, and, and he sets the scene. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was the very same essence as God. If you're going to sit down and watch as John unfolds the drama that is God's work in his gospel, you need to know who the main character is. And that's where John starts. The main character, the Word, the little baby Jesus, is God. And the loudspeaker continues and says in verse, in verse 3 there, through Him all things were made. And the floodlights of the stage come on and reach every single corner of that stage, and you see a rush of activity. Everything that your eyes have ever taken in, men and women rushing around, subways going from left to right, the world spinning on its axis, it's all on that stage, and you can't take it in. But you know one thing. It's full of activity, and it's full of life. Because everything that was created came through the Word. And that word brought real, physical life to all people. But it doesn't end there. Because when John talks about light and life in these 14 verses, he, he talks more deeper than, than a physical level. He talks on a spiritual level. The faith, the love, the hope that he holds out to all people, it, it came into this world as a floodlight available for all people. All through the word. Jump ahead now, though, to verses 10 and 11 of this text. John cites for us the problem. Even though there was this extremely powerful floodlight that blanketed all people of all time, the Word came into the world and some did not receive Him. The Word came into the world and they shut the light off. The Word came into the world and... And they rejected him. They stayed. They chose to be in their darkness. These people, they wanted more proof. They wanted more than what the Bible says. 
Last week, I took the train two stops to Sunnyside, and I met up with a man there, and this man is, he's in darkness. He can't see his, his hand in front of his face. He's, he's afraid to take a spiritual step forward because he doesn't know what's there. He, he doesn't know what's up or down. I talked to this man, and after about 10 minutes, he said to me, Paul, I can't believe in God. I need real proof. I need more than what the Bible says. This man is in darkness, and, and people like that, it's like they need, they need some physical uh, a videotape or something that will prove to them tangibly that God is there. They, they, need, they need a scientific formula or the words in a dictionary that say God is there, and they're in darkness. They can't understand the light. For you and I, people who are Bible-believing Christians, we're in the light. And we know that everything that is written in the Bible is true. And that is sufficient for us. But as Bible-believing Christians, we like to take our little weak-beamed investigating flashlights and turn them on and to walk out into the world and try to find answers for what's left dark in the Bible. We try to find answers for questions that we cannot answer. Questions like, how in the world could the creator of this universe come into this world as a baby? Questions like, how in the world could this little baby Jesus spread his light to all people? These are questions that, that we're never going to know because they're in the mind of God. And John, in these words, he doesn't give us a, a simple math equation that says, well, 2 plus 2 equals God in the flesh. Or some scientific formula that says, well, mix all these elements together and, and you'll make God in the flesh. John just says, God came in the flesh. John says the same little baby Jesus who came is the same God who who created the beautiful rolling hills of upstate New York. And the little baby Jesus who came is the same God who, who filled the glistening sea to our east. John says this God is powerful. And so if you're following John so far, he's explained in, in Act 1 who Jesus is. And that's great, but we need to know who we are. And so John continues in in verse 12. He says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Through the Holy Spirit, John communicates to us on a level that we understand. He talks about children. And what's more human than that? We were all children at one point. We, we understand children. And so John says, you are now children of God. My sister, I just found out about a month ago that my sister's pregnant. It's a really exciting time for my family. It's her second kid. And I don't know the exact date or the exact time when that child's going to be born I don't know if that baby is a boy or a girl. I, I don't know the first thing about raising infants, but there's one thing that I do know about that child. 
when that baby is born, the child isn't going to turn around to mom and dad and say, look at me, mom. <laughs> look what I did. I got born today. That child has no decision in the matter. And John says it's the same way for when you become a children of God. In verse, in verse 13, he says, well, children are born not because of some natural descent, not because you, your parents were Christians. That's not why you're a Christian. And then John says, and it wasn't because of a human decision. It wasn't because you decided to grab Jesus and make him your own. And it wasn't because of a, of a husband's will. It wasn't because of a mother's will or a, a spouse's will. But it was God's decision. God saw you in darkness and made you his child and brought you into his light. So now we have two acts done, two acts completed. John says this is who Jesus is. He's the floodlight that came to all people, the same creator of the universe. And this is who people are, children of God that have only been made children by God's decision. And now, in verse 14, we come to the end of this section and the pinnacle of John's writing. This is the 10,000-watt spotlight that John is focusing on. This is the climactic verse that comes at Christmas because here John writes, the Word became flesh. He states it like it is. And then he says why. To make his dwelling among us. And then he tells us exactly what this Word is full of. At the end there he says, the Word was full of of grace and truth. Full grace and full truth. I want you to think about that for a minute. This isn't the type of grace, the the gift or, or love or joy that you get from another human on this earth because no human has ever felt this type of grace from another human being. This is the full hope and joy and peace and comfort and a gift and grace and love that comes only from God. And this full truth is not some type of truth that you can find in a simple fact in a dictionary or encyclopedia or, or a simple math equation that, that you've known since childhood. This is the full, perfect truth that Jesus brings into this world that God records in his Bible. It's full grace and full truth. So why in the world did the Word become flesh? The Word became flesh so God could flip on the spotlight at one event in history and shine this light down on His one and only Son who is in a class all by Himself who was hanging and dying on a cross. And so why in the world did the Word become flesh? So three days later, God could turn on the spotlight and swing it up and show Jesus raised from the dead so that every single eye would look to him and see him and know the forgiveness of sins he won for his children. Why did the word become flesh? So God could flip on the spotlight and shine down on one special event in history at the Nativity. When a little baby Jesus became human and was laid down in a feeding trough for you. 
so that that would begin his act of a perfect life and an innocent suffering and death that would give you full grace and full truth. The how does not matter. That why does. Christmas lights are going to shine today, but one Christmas light, your Savior Jesus, shines above them all. That Christmas light shines so that you can recognize him. That Christmas light shines so you can understand him. That Christmas light shines so you can celebrate with your Christians here and with your family at home. That Christmas light shines so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Amen.